0: OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com This weekend, Season 2 of the 2011 StarCityGames.com Open Series kicks off in Denver, Colorado at Invesco Field. On June 11th and 12th, join hundreds of other players to battle it out in the standard legacy and draft opens, and compete for the glory, the money, and the prestige of moving up the ranks in the SCG Players Club. With side events galore and live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, it'll be an action-packed weekend that you won't want to miss. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Denver, and we'll see you there. Everybody and welcome to episode sixty-eight of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco.
1: And I'm Big Head Joe,
0: and uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Well, a lot of tournaments happened this past weekend, so we're going to go over some of those, and then we're going to do kind of a uh, a what if scenario to um, be kind of kind of we're thinking of. So first up, let's just get right into these tournament results. Grand Prix Singapore this past weekend, Paulo Vitor Dama de Rosa won with Cobblade. No, no surprise at the deck there, and probably no surprise at the player there, because PV is just—he uh, seems like he's like the best player in the world right now. Sure, um, he's uh, consistently—I mean, he, he top aided at uh, Grand Prix Providence, and uh, and here he is winning Grand Prix Singapore the the next week. So, hmm. uh, completely different format too. It's not even as if he could uh, he could carry over the the deck and the experience. It's it's just. Uh, Legacy in, in Providence and Standard in Singapore. Um, I'm sure those
1: buys are helpful. Yeah,
0: definitely. <laughs> also, this past weekend, the, the kind of uh, huge weekend for Star City, we had the Invitational, and that, of course, ran uh, parallel to the Open Series in Indianapolis uh, for Standard and Legacy. So, Pat Cox won the Invitational with, uh, with Rug in Standard, and um, in Legacy, he was running Zoo. So interestingly enough, no Callblade uh winner in the invitational. Callblade obviously showing up in the top 8 for for standard, but uh but you know, did didn't take it down. And uh I think even more surprising is Zoo being not only a contender but a winning a winning deck.
1: It yeah, wasn't the you know? fi- wasn't the finals like Zoo versus Goblin? Yeah,
0: the finals of the invitational uh in the top 8 was Pat Cox versus Jim Davis, and Jim Davis was running Goblins. Two decks, Zoo and Goblins, that people thought were dead because of mental misstep.
1: That two weeks ago, actually, uh, Mike Flores himself was on our podcast <laughs> denouncing by name. Right, saying they
0: were, they were unplayable. So, uh, interesting.
1: <laughs> now, now, you know, again, like, you can't necessarily look at the top eights of you know, of this of the top eight of this tournament as an indicator of which decks are doing well because they have the half and half standard legacy. You know what I mean? So
0: right, yeah. I mean, it is definitely something you need to keep in mind. And then uh, in the standard portion, Matt Landstrom won the event with uh, with the vampires, red black vampires. Now this was interesting because Matthew Landstrom he was actually qualified for the Invitational, but he did not feel comfortable with his legacy. Uh, knowledge, and he decided, you know what, I I feel like my odds are better to play in the standard open series rather than play in the Invitational, and oh. obviously that was, he was dead on because he yeah. took it down, right? I mean, that's pretty impressive. Um, also, uh, okay, that, that top eight, just to run over the uh, the standard top eight, we had Vampires in first, Callblade, Callblade, Blue Red, uh, Splinter Twin, Rug, Splinter Twin, Hawkward, and uh cobblade and Callblade. so only half Callblade um in the top 8 of standard two two twin combo decks but both uh two different versions of it and then we had a which is you know the uh basically like the tempered steel deck and right. then uh, and then vampires so kind of a more diverse top 8 than we're used to really well,
1: I'm, I'm not I'm not looking at the thing right now but I <laughs> seem to remember that the top 16 creates a much less uh, diverse picture. Yeah, uh, um, there,
0: are, there are six more in the top 16. A Callblade, uh, uh, right. Yeah, from from 9th to 16th. So it's 10 out of the top 16.
1: Right. It's, the top eight, I mean, on the top eight, you know, does speak to people beating Callblade to get in. You know what I mean? So that's, right. you know, that, that's pretty good. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not not trying to question the dominance of the deck. I'm just kind of oh, no, noting no. that the the top eight is a little more diverse than what we're used to seeing. Yeah. Um, and then on the legacy side, Thomas Graves won with Natural Order rug uh, in the uh, in the finals against Kyle Kloster piloting Reanimator, which has made a, a resurgence as of late. I think really due to Gataxius.
1: Yeah, it's a cool card. I've, I saw you casting it on or putting it out in like on like turn two, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was turn two. I was definitely <laughs> definitely playing the Gataxius on turn two. See, because uh, Sam Stoddard had played reanimator in Louisville. And um from what I mean, think back nine years in two thousand two. We started getting back into magic after like a little bit of a break, I think, from Mercadian Masks until until like early two thousand two when like judgment was just coming out. Um and I was building a reanimator deck. Turn one, Dark Ritual and Tomb Exhume. And I was, you know, trying to find the most broken creatures. And so I was like, wow, in legacy I can do that still. I can still play this deck. So I looked at Sam Stodd's list, and uh, he doesn't play the Dark Rituals. In fact, it, the reanimator list that seems to be going around is actually more like a blue-black control list in a way. It can kind of play blue control until it can get the reanimator combo kind of going. And so it's got, of course, uh, Entomb and exhume and Reanimate and uh, you know, things like careful study and brainstorm to kinda dig you to the stuff. Uh Animate Dead is in there. And then the uh kind of the 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 accepted suite of uh reanimator targets seem to be Jin Gitaxius. Now Sam was running three of those, so is uh Kyle, who who came in second in uh, in the legacy open. Um and then there's like Iona and uh Blazing Archons, Think of the Steelwind, Inkwell Leviathan. Um, I was playing around with Sheoldred, um, the uh, Elish Norn. Basically, there's like a, a, a. It seems like maybe a dozen creatures that people kind of choose, maybe five five to seven different creatures from, you know, and, uh, yeah. and play around with. Like some people like to to try uh, Iona in the main deck. Some people have it in the sideboard, um, but it's it's just fun. Like I built the deck for fun because like uh, I just think it's fun to put those kind of creatures into play but it's not really my kind of deck it's almost like my oh okay you don't really feel like playing against a billion counter spells all right i'll just play against the oh, i'll play you with the deck that only has eight counter spells in it <laughs> <laughs> the dazes and the force of wills oh and the mental missteps i'm sorry 12 you, um <laughs> it's
1: like if you don't want to play against counter spells well you, you're going to get me to 12 and that's yeah. the best you're going to do
0: <laughs> exactly yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like
1: well, you're not playing against sixteen, right? Twelve. I mean, twelve seems like you know. Yeah, I see myself playing less than that. No, there's, no, there's
0: no Jace in this deck, and no Swords to Plowshare. so you know it's not as much of a control deck. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it it's fun. Um,
1: what, so, uh, Dark or, or uh, Blightsteel Colossus wouldn't work because the reanimation spells are sorcery speed. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, because uh, like Exhum. Uh, reanimate and animate dead are the are the spells that are being used to reanimate, so yeah, right. they're all sorcery speed.
1: Yeah, because I mean Blightsteel Colossus would be really fun. Oh, you yeah. could use you could do Blade Steel Colossus with like I think like with Gorio's Vengeance.
0: Yeah, or wait a minute. Uh, Gorio's Vengeance, isn't that a legend that you need?
1: Oh, that's right, steel isn't a legend. You just uh, you just assume it is.
0: Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's return target legendary creature card from your graveyard to that's play. Right. It that's gains right. haste and remove it from the game at end of turn. So um you can go that way if you want to do it with Eldrazi, I think is what you're thinking about using Goryeo's Vengeance with. Sure, yeah. But again, it's like I can I can do something just as powerful, if not more powerful, by playing these spells at sorcery speed and actually leaving the creature in play. You know, like uh, it's ridiculous because Jin is so – like I know everybody can look at him and go, oh my gosh, he's nuts, but – You know he's only a five-four, so I can see people maybe questioning would he be the first one you'd want? But he almost always is because if you get the Gingetaxius into play, um, as long as he lasts until the end of your turn, which he typically does, uh, you you usually draw enough cards because you draw seven at the end of end of your turn. to kind of have a backup for them, some kind of backup. So even if they you pass a turn, it's their turn and they have something in their hand to deal with them. You either have something to protect them, or you have a, a backup uh, reanimator target or spell. You know that they. they- kill him somehow? I mean, if they swords to plowshares him, you can't reanimate him again, but you may have just discarded another one that you just drew out of this seven, because typically you're going, like, you've got, like, five cards in your hand, and you're drawing seven more, so you have to discard five, and you're like, well, I'll discard these reanimator targets and keep the counter spells and uh, reanimation spells. Yeah. And so, like, okay, if you kill my guy, I'll just reanimate something. It's It's absolutely nuts. And then, of course, if they don't have anything to deal with him, they probably lose, because... You just they're they're living off of the top of their deck, and you probably again have another target. So now it's like not only am I going to hit you with a five four, but uh, you know I'm going to play Sphinx of the Steelwind on my turn as well to kind of get some of that life back that I may have lost from uh, playing Reanimate on a Jinnataxius and losing <laughs> losing ten life. So um, it's definitely a fun fun deck to play, and uh, and I, I just basically took Sam Stodd's list, and I think my only tweak was. Uh, Adding Sheoldred in there over something. I can't even remember what I cut, but it was just, I was like, I want to play with Sheoldred. Hell yeah. yeah so. <laughs> um, but looking at the rest of the top eight for Legacy, we had Merfolk in third, Hive Mind by uh, Thomas Ma playing that deck. And of course, now Hive Mind is in the Hive Mind. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's aware of it now. Um, after GP Providence, so uh, people are playing it. Um, and then fifth place is a uh, blue red blue white stone blade, um, blue white control by Drew Levin, and then Rug Tempo in seventh, and blue white landstill in eighth. Um, so a lot of people taking the the standstill list. It's it, it's kind of like a lot of these lists are kind of sprouting out of the standstill list that Jerry and Drew and AJ Soccer played uh, back in Orlando when we were there. right? You know, it was like a a standstill, blue-white control list. And then people said, uh, Drew and crew were kind of going, we can replace standstill with Ancestral Vision. And um, then people are saying, you know what? We're going to play Stoneforge and Batterskull in the deck. So now we've got like a couple different variants of blue-white control, some going with the Stoneblade uh, plan and some still sticking with the maybe the Stone Forges in the sideboard. I'm going to look at Drew's list right now because I know he played them in the sideboard at the GP, but he did not seem uh, impressed with them, which is odd because everybody else that played them seemed like they were uh, they they thought they were nuts. But yeah, looking at Drew's list from the Invitational, you know, week week out from the. Uh, from GP Providence. He does not play Stoneforge at all in his, his list. He's, he's kind of gone back to something way more akin to his standstill list from Orlando. Um, He looks, it looks like um, he's replaced the standstills with ancestral vision. He's fit some wrath of gods in there. um, And he's got a factor fiction in there, but he went back up to four Jaces. He went up to four swords to plowshares. Um, He's got spell pierces in the main, and no spell snares in the main, unless this was a mistyped deck list. But uh, you know, which can be the case because I know I sometimes say spell snare when I mean spell pierce, and right. vice versa. But uh, he does have a volcanic island in there, and um, and that way that allows him to cast red elemental blast out of the sideboard. So it's technically blue white control, but he does splash that one volcanic island, and he's got uh, like an arid mesa, and of course a ton of other fetch lands that can grab islands, so can grab Volcanic Island. Um, and he's got Crucible of Worlds um, in there. So he went back with that real grindy deck, no creatures main deck. Uh, the only creatures are in the sideboard, and it's Meddling Mage and Vendillion Click. Hmm. And he's got two Elspeths in the sideboard, too. So I, I really like... I like. I, I feel like I favor Drew's approach to this deck more than the Stoneblade versions. Um, yeah. I mean, partly it, it may be because I feel like it feels too much like standard. If I were to start playing Stoneforge Mystic, Batterskull, in Legacy, you know, I feel like I I already have enough of that in Standard, and I'd rather do something different. So I think that's part of it. But the other part is I think I really like the uh, I really kind of like that grindy aspect of the deck where it's like it's going to be slow, but I'm gonna I'm gonna win kind of thing. But um, so yeah, that's what Drew did. But yeah, we've even got. Tony Chu playing uh, the blue, red, white version, and his actually plays a lot – he goes a lot heavier on the red. He's got Grim Lava Mancer, Magus of the Moon, both in the main deck, um, mm. and then uh, – and he's got the Stoneforge package. So his is actually blue it's, – it's actually almost a completely different deck when you take into account the red and then the Stoneforge package, but – it's got what I call the sweet sixteen in here. Uh but he's only got fifteen. Four brainstorm, four force of will, four mental misstep and four Jace. He just has three Jace. But that's the uh that's the Sweet Sixteen as I like to call it. That's what mm-hmm. I start start all my legacy deck list with and then uh, <laughs> and then continue from there. I love that. Um He's got a Caracas in there. Uh but yes, some interesting kind of innovations happening in Legacy, but a lot of blue decks doing well. But um like I said, Thomas Graves actually won with the Natural Order rug deck. So uh, he had the Progenitus and uh, Vendillion Click as his legendary creatures but uh, had Grim Lava Mancer, Noble Hierarch, for Tarmogoyf, and then of course uh, one Dryad Arbor for the uh, the Green Sun Zenith to grab. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, to revisit the Invitational list because I know we didn't – we didn't run down the top eight like we just did for the, the Legacy Open and the Standard Open. Sure. Um, for Legacy, we had Zoo, uh, Goblins, um, and then Edgar Flores playing Stoneblade, uh, an Esper version of, of the Stoneblade deck in Legacy, which uh, I believe he's running it for Bitter Blossom. He's splashing black for Bitter Blossom, Thoughtseize, and him to Turok. So he, uh Edgar Flores is actually known in Legacy more for going with Team America. Because that was pretty much the deck he started with, and you know how Edgar likes to stick with certain lists and right. not move off of them. But apparently, this was enough to uh, this, this deck list was attractive enough for him to to try it instead of his Team America list that he had been going with, and uh, and he came in third place at the Invitational. So obviously, it it performed well enough. Um, and then uh, Michael Jacob played uh, Natural Order Rug in the, uh, in the legacy portion. Um, Dan Jordan played Merfolk. Joe Bernal played, uh, black, white discard. Ben Hayes played blue, white control, kind of the, uh, the standard version, I think without the, the stone forge package, uh, kind of like, actually it looks very much like Drew's list. Um, yeah, actually him and Drew may have been playing identical list. He's got the volcanic islands and the red elemental blasts. Hmm. Um, and then Patrick Sullivan, of course, yeah. in, in Standard played uh, Mono Red, but in in Legacy he played Zoo. Mm. So very uh, very interesting choice because you, you know he loves to play Red, and I guess if you're going to stray from Red, Zoo is about the closest thing you can get by you know <laughs> the closest thing you can get to Mono Red without actually being Mono Red.
1: Right. He can put his like Chain Lightnings in and his of Mancers if he wants.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's definitely able to take carry over, like, some of that that strategy. He's got the Goblin Guides, the Grim Lava Mancers. He's got Curd Apes, which, of course, he probably wouldn't play in Mono Red, but uh, right. <laughs> at least I hope not. Um, it's a 1-1. <laughs> one one. What's wrong with it? Um, yeah, he's got the Fire Blasts and the Lightning Bolts and the Chain Lightnings and Rift Bolts. So it's very heavy on the Red. He goes with uh, Step Links, Tarmogoyf, and Wild Nacatl. pretty much. Uh, a trio of, of awesome zoo creatures and then a copy of Sylvan library. And other than that, it's mono red. <laughs> so, um, okay. but i uh, on to onto the standard portion of the invitational, obviously the same, same guys, uh, uh, it was the top 8 of the invitational but this is what they played in standard we had Pat Cox with Pat Cox with Rug as we mentioned uh Jim Davis with with Esper Callblade or Darkblade Edgar Flores with Callblade Michael Jacob with uh twin combo um Dan Jordan playing Rug Vengevine which uh is one that we haven't really I mean Vengevine hasn't made much of an appearance in Rug lists that I can uh that I can remember I mean it does look like a Pretty typical rug list, except he goes with the Fauna Shaman Vengevine package in there. So um, he's got the Acidic Slimes. He's got Birds of Paradise, Consecrated Sphinx, Frost Titan, Lotus Cobra, Nest Invader, Oracle of Maldaya, and then Fauna Shaman Vengevine, and then three Spellskite and three Phyrexian Metamorph. Now, this, I think, is the uh, starting to poke, itself, poke its head out from under the radar kind of card yeah. of the tournament. Yeah, yeah. People who were playing this in, um, in their callblade lists to copy batter skulls, to copy opposing batter skulls, to copy opposing swords. Um, it, I believe is the, the kind of sleeper card of the set that's no longer a sleeper. It's ba- basically following in the footsteps of Spellskite. Um, Glenn Jones actually did a quick question piece on uh, what's your favorite use for Phyrexian Metamorph in standard? And uh, Nick Spagnolo says consecrated Sphinx. Um, John Cuvelier says copy batter skull. Um, Stoneforge Mystic says C- Christian Valenti. Jerry Thompson says anything in the mirror, probably copying their war and peace to kill them after they divine offering yours. And I think that was something that was uh, reflected in Chapin's article this week, talking about sword of war and peace, uh, obviously so good in the mirror because of the pr- protection from white. Um, and when it, when yours gets divine offering, you can at least copy theirs and you know, kind of – Give you a leg up in the mirror, or at least a leg back into the the mirror. Um, yeah. Michael Jacob wants to copy birthing pod, which is seems like an odd answer to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben Hayes uh, copying swords, and then uh, Harrison Greenberg, of course, says casting metamorph to bring back Vengevine, and then copying the Vengevine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, interesting. Brilliant quick, uh, quick point about Metamorph is it's a creature while it's on the stack, even if you're going to end up targeting a non-creature when it's in play. So that huh. uh, that new creature counter spell is it like Psychic? Uh, it's the blue, two blue, yeah, it's blue blue counter target creature spell. They lose uh, one life. One life. I can't remember the name of it. I can't either. Psychic uh, barrier is that it? Psychic barrier. That's it. I think, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, you, I, I mean, I assume this is how it works. I was playing it. Um, our friend Kenny is actually getting back into magic and. Uh he bought a box of New Phyrexia, and so we built sealed decks to just play against each other of six packs of New Phyrexia. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and uh, he opened a Batterskull in his pool, and I opened Phyrexian Metamorph, and I'm like, oh, it's my only way to deal with your Batterskull in my entire pool. Except for uh, I think I had the one creature that uh, that taps creatures, so that was actually probably a better answer and ended up being when we played a couple games. But um, I played the t- – I-, I think I Gitaxian probed him and saw one psychic barrier in his hand, so I'm like – all right. So I I lead with that creature that uh that taps. It's it's a artifact creature that for a um Phyrexian white.
1: Yeah, you can tap target creature. Tap target right? creature,
0: yeah. So I lead with that and he sees that that's an answer for his batter skull that he had just played and um and he psychic barriers it, and I'm like, all right, good. That was my test spell. Now I'm gonna get Phyrexian Metamorph and have a batter skull of my own. And I played the next one. My next turn, I play it, and he's like Psychic Barrier. I'm like, oh, he had two of them. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that was the question that came up. I was like, well, it makes sense. It, it's still an artifact creature while it's on the stack, right? It's a creature spell. I mean, it makes sense. Right. You know, um,
1: that's so cool. But it's so cool that Kenny got a box. But anyway. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's very cool. Like if, for those of you who don't know. Kenny, Joe, and I, like, all started playing together. Like, I I started playing a few months early, but I taught Kenny, and me and Kenny taught Joe, and, like, that was, like, all within a few months of playing, you know, summer 1995. Yep. Um, And Kenny hasn't played since Mercadian Masks, and... um,
1: Yeah, we took a break uh, for a couple years. He took one for a lot longer.
0: Exactly. He's trying to build vampires, even though it's about to rotate. That is just such his kind of deck. Yeah, it is. That... uh, that I'm like trying to help him build it, and I have ooh. most of those cards.
1: Ooh, ooh, ooh. Speaking of vampires,
0: yeah, you, you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah. Oh my God. I, saw, right. I just saw it today. It is so awesome. So um, they spoiled the M12 uh, promo cards uh, for the pre release and for the launch party. And uh, I really love the pre release card. Me too, uh, actually. It's, it's Bloodlord of Vazgoth. Uh, has the word goth in it, so naturally it's a vampire. It's two black and three. It's a 3 3 bloodthirst three flying. And it says, whenever you cast a vampire creature spell, it gains bloodthirst three. That is so nasty. Like, that has the potential to, like, I don't know what sort of vampires will be supporting it. You know, especially in like, com- rotation.
0: Yeah, it's kind of dependent. Well, here's the thing. like I, the, the way I look at it is we have plenty of vampires now for, sure. it, to, for it to kind of find a, a place, maybe even a kind of different variant of, of vampires. Because the one that we have now is it's kind of like Black Weenie, you know? Right, it's, it's very right. just aggressive. You know, no vampires in it that cost more than three, I think. I mean, Captivating Vampire is, like, the, the only one that I can think of that costs three. I mean, right. I'm going to quickly look at Matt Landstrom's list. I mean, Gatekeeper of Malakir kind of kicked. costs three, yeah. right, if it's kicked. Nighthawk. Oh, Nighthawk costs three, right. But Nighthawk's not even in his deck. Interesting. I don't see um, how
1: you could ever not play Nighthawk, but that's just me.
0: Right. But, <laughs> I yeah, so, so, but yeah, I mean, that's that's not an atypical choice for, uh, for a vampire deck. So, yeah, nothing really costs more than three. So I don't know that this would show up with... Uh, in these kind of lists, but there could be a new kind of version of vampires. Um, but once rotation happens, we keep this guy, you know, this what's right. it? Bloodlord, is that what it's called?
1: Bloodlord of Vazgoth.
0: Bloodlord of Vazgoth. Uh, we keep this guy, and looking at the information we know from Innistrad, which is Liliana sitting on a throne in, in like, the Castlevania castle, uh I think there's going to be some vampires for him to hang out with, so... Yeah. I, oh yeah. I, th- I think we'll be okay even if he doesn't see much play uh early, you know, at, right after M12. Um I think he's worth kind of grabbing. Now, remember it could be a similar situation to Vampire Nocturnus. Remember he was a preview right. or he was a, a promo card for like the pre-release and he was just kind of like floating around a couple bucks and then Vampire's kind of became a thing and and then he was a $20 card or a $15, $20 card, you know? Right.
1: Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if, like, picking these up right away would be good. Like, because mm-hmm. people might be thinking to get them for their Vampires decks. But, like, maybe, like, after the first set comes out of the new block. You know what I mean? Like,
0: Yeah, just they're worth keeping an eye on, I think, yeah, is, is what I mean. Sure. I don't know if I would trade for them high. Basically, trade for them low. And if they, you know, if they aren't... uh you know, if people are trying to hold on to them and make the the same point that we're making right now. Like, oh, the new set's gonna have vampires in it, so I'm gonna value it high. Then just don't, you know, don't trade for it then. Um, but you know, if you if people are aren't really valuing it too high, I'm just talking about the pre-release when values are so like really we- kind of yeah weird and and hazy. Um, but anyway, my point is, pick them up where you can low, and I think you uh you know that might be a A tip that could pay off you know sure um so just just to finish up i know it feels like we can't seem to finish up the uh (laughs) getting through the top eights here um but just the the invitational uh top eight again uh we were at dan jordan with the rug vengevine list and then joe bernal playing bant vengevine um ben hayes playing Callblade and then patrick sullivan with mono red so uh bant vengevine kind of uh kind of cool it was actually more similar to um to the the Larry Swayze list where it was like heavy on the blue green but it also pl- packed the uh, Stoneforge package. Mm-hmm. So uh, interesting choices there and and again like here we see a lot of callblade but a lot of different decks too. Sure. So speaking of callblade, uh, I think that's kind of the hot topic right now. Is callblade is this is this deck too dominant? Does it deserve a banning? Uh, we have bannings. The announcements are going to come up on June 20th, so uh, little more, about 10 days from when you guys are going to get this episode. Um, we're going to find out what R&D thinks. Um, uh, the way I look at it, uh, without actually taking a stance either way, the way I look at it is the format just can't please everyone. That's the really bottom line of it because there's people out there who love Standard right now. Because it's very skill-testing. If you want a very skill-testing format, that's what this is. Uh, Mike Flores being an example, and he made those great points on on episode 66 with us. Um, if you want a very diverse format, then you're not happy, right? So that's uh, – you, you want something different. And of course, if that's what you want, if, if you want something different than what we have, you're not going to be happy. So it really depends on what you want in a format. If you want just a lot of uh, – some somebody made the point and i feel like it was Lauren Lee on twitter saying like um we have like the opposite of Jund. Everybody, so many people were complaining about Jund last year because it was not skill testing. That was at least the, that was the complaint. It was, Jund is dominating and it is not skill testing. It is too luck-based and it's not fun. And now we have the exact opposite where people are like, Callblade is too, it's, it's every, everybody's playing Callblade. It's too much. And, uh, but this deck is very skill testing. So you have the same situation, but the exact opposite reasons. Um, and I guess people, you know, it, it, It seems like the majority of people, well, a a large majority, maybe the vocal majority, really wants diversity in a format. Um, Oddly, I remember last year when we were complaining about John on the podcast, um, we had a lot of – I guess interaction, uh, a lot of lot of conversations through the internet with uh, Alex Shearer, who mm-hmm. who writes for Channel Fireball, and he loved the Jund list. He was telling us, "Look at all these changes to the Jund list. Like these guys are running Master of the Wild Hunt, and these guys are running Garrick, and look at these changes. You know, they're they're different lists." And we're like, "No, they're still Jund lists." And now I feel mo- I find myself. Sounding like Alex did last year, talking about Callblade Because I'm looking at these lists and I'm like, this is a beautiful deck. Like, look at the changes this deck's gone through and the way the you know Gideon's no Gideon's Day of Judgment no Day of Judgment t- eight counter spells no counter spells two counter spells. You know, like which which equipment is in the main uh, main deck? Which you know, mor- do we have Mortar Pod? Do we have Sylvok Lifestaff? You know, it's like it's amazing. Do we run Cunning Spark Mage or do we run uh, you know? discard spells and vampire nighthawk is just like wow look at this deck it's just it's beautiful i feel like it's such uh an incredible deck and i know now i kind of know what alex was getting at last year with yeah it's the same deck but there are so many ways to play it that i find it really uh interesting and fascinating to see it but um we got a question from twitter uh from dave robender who is actually the guy who who you may know him from uh, the Yo! MTG Taps Life Pads that we got. Um, right. He's the guy that, that sells those. Um, he said, where have all the Titans gone? Six months ago, it was play any Titan you want. And that was a quote from us. Now you almost never see them. Right. Because right. we, would, we would joke, standards wide open, you can play any Titan you want. Um, and he's right. Uh, for the most part, we're only seeing Inferno Titan. Really, like, and that's in the the Splinter Twin decks. Some Titans kind of hanging around a little bit in sideboards of Callblade decks, sometimes in the main deck. Um, and, uh, you know, you're not really seeing much Valakit. Maybe there's Eldrazi ramp, but really the Titans aren't seeing much play. In fact, it seems like Grave Titans seems to be seeing the least no- amount of play when I think about it. Because even Frost Titans in some of the rug lists. Right. Um, I was going to
1: mention that, yeah.
0: So it's interesting. Um, so our question for today, and our and our main topic that we're gonna we're gonna go on, is we're gonna look ahead to post banning standard. And we're gonna assume that if something is banned, what is standard gonna look like? Now I guess I I don't know. I want to get your take on this too. But my impression is that if they ban Jace, and just Jace. I feel like Callblade's still gonna be a deck. Now maybe it's not gonna be as a consistent as consistent of a deck, and maybe there, maybe there's gonna be uh you know other decks to contend with it, but it's still gonna be a deck. People are still gonna be going turn two stoneforge mystic into Batterskull. Right. And they just aren't going to have the turn four Jace. They're gonna go with turn three Jace or turn four Jace Bellerin or, you know, some other draw engine to make the deck consistent. But you're gonna still see Callblade as a deck.
1: Absolutely, I, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that for one second. Um, because again, I think we've made it perfectly clear that we don't think Jace is the problem in Standard. Um, I know Joey doesn't think there is any problem in Standard, but I don't, I do. But I don't think that it's Jace. Right. Um,
0: it seems to me that the 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 consensus that makes the most sense is Stoneforge Mystic.
1: Right. Right. Because Stoneforge Mystic is, I mean, we've seen the power of Stoneforge Mystic. I mean, it can just, and I feel like Stoneforge Mystic, I agree that Callblade is a very skill intensive deck, I believe, uh, or I agree that it's one of the most exciting decks we've ever seen in Standard. I think it's one of the most incredible decks we've ever seen in Standard. Um, Yeah, I agree with all of those sentiments, you know, I really Mm do, Um, but I just feel like the, the format has just oversimplified itself in a way. Like, as, as you know, even though we're talking about how it's skill-intensive, I feel like the one card that takes away from how skill-intensive it is is Stoneforge Mystic. Because basically all you got to do now is just go play my Stoneforge, get a Skull, play the Batterskull, and I've invalidated all the aggro strategies that could ever possibly exist. <laughs> right, but you know, it, like, you're
0: not ever playing against aggro. You're always playing against Callblade. So then that's where the skill comes in.
1: <laughs> right, but that's, a, but th- but that's I'm just,
0: a problem. I'm just messing with you.
1: But- right, No, but that's a problem, though. I mean, like, like, I love the fact that we do have a new deck in the standard. I love the fact that we have the Exarch Twin deck. But, I mean, honestly, st- standard, the way it looks right now, comes down to, um, you know, a deck that kind of just puts some cards on the table and just looks at you and you they win. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they go, I play this one card and I play this other card and can you stop it? And then I win. And that and that's kind of, I mean, I know it does a lot more than that. I've played against the deck, you know. You're i are talking about
0: Splinter Twin, obviously. Yes, right.
1: yes. Um, you have that deck and then you have, you know... You have Stoneforge Mystic decks, which are, you know, say what you want about Jace. Like, even Chapin put Stoneforge Mystic ahead of Jace on a tweet today.
0: Yeah. Th- this is something that Sam Stoddard tweeted the other day, and I think I totally agree with it. This is actually how I feel, I think. Callblade is a thing of beauty that may have to be put down for the general public's enjoyment of standard. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a shame, but I think that's that's how, you know, what it feels like right now. Um, I think the majority can't appreciate the deck, uh, mm-hmm. and and that's there's nothing wrong with that. I, I guess um, everybody finds beauty in different things, right? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Do I have to say that? But <laughs> um, you know, everybody likes different kinds of decks, and there's people out there that just hate counter spell decks, and and other people out there that hate uh, you know combo decks and things like that. So. Not everybody's going to enjoy everything, and even though I can find the beauty in such a skill intensive deck, uh, I can understand the sentiment uh, on the other side where it is such a strong deck that it's showing up so much that people are just getting frustrated with it.
1: Right. Um, and I, I mean, and again, going back to Chapin's tweets from today, mm-hmm. he wrote, this format is far too skill intensive. I love playing it, but it's really bad for the game. This is magic, not versus system.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that's a, a comparison I've been seeing too. We're not playing versus system. Um, I know you didn't play much versus. You played for like a day, I think with me, with some cards that I had.
1: And um, I learned it a little bit in yeah. Texas. I played it for just casually with one of my friends, but right. never really found anyone to play with.
0: It was a when lot. In yeah, it was a lot less luck based. You know, I mean, it was much more about skill, and there were a lot more decisions to make. Um, and so, and it there were situations where it just wasn't fun um, because, you know, if it, basically the most uh, the most skillful player won. And Sam Stoddard actually wrote an article just like last week on Star City that talked about why we need variants in magic. It's because of that chance, that chance for you know, a little kid to walk into a tournament and beat the best guy there because the other guy got manascrewed. You know, and it's like because of just that chance, how good that makes that kid feel to say, I I beat this guy, you know, even though he's really good. And, you know, that's the variance that makes the game popular and it makes the game fun. And there is a tension there, too, because like, am I going to get, you know, I need a land, I need a land, I need a land, uh, non-land, I die, you know, something like that. Like it's – there is a variance in the game and it's built into it and I think that's one of the things that's made Magic so successful. Um but if you want to read more about that, uh, check Sam Stoddard's article. I'll try to remember to link it in the show notes, but it's uh, one of one of his recent ones in uh, On Star City, uh, and it's on the the select side, so it's free. Um, so we're going to assume for our our uh, little mental exercise here um, that Stoneforge Mystic is the card that gets banned. Um, right. Notably, I, d- I, I did want to mention this. Um, This this is from Aaron Forsyth in a tweet that he tweeted in reply to somebody. So if you're not following the person he was replying to, and I didn't write it down, um, who it was, uh, you probably didn't see this. But I thought this was really interesting. This is his quote. I know this is the worst we've screwed up since Mirrodin, but the system is set up to find errors more quickly. Um, He's obviously talking about the number of tournaments right now are really going to find where they screwed up a lot a lot quicker. You know, the, the Star City Open series every – almost every weekend, there's just so many high-level tournaments that right. there's reason to break the format or the format gets solved way quicker. But the first part of his tweet saying this is the worst we've screwed up since Mirrodin, like I think that may be the first uh, by somebody from R&D that there is a problem like he yeah. he's been kind of hinting at it like with his uh with his tweets he's been talking about is Callblade dominating your fnms and um you know kind of making snarky comments about legacy like how uh how legacy is so much fun because you get to play with all the most powerful cards from magic's history like jace and stoneforge mystic right um, <laughs> so um it, it's not too much of a shock to see this, but I did think that was that was interesting that he actually says this is the worst we've screwed up since Mirrodin. Mm-hmm. So that m- actually makes me feel like something is very likely to happen on June twentieth. Yeah. Um, so th- it was that actually that got the ball rolling in my head, uh, got these thoughts going where I'm thinking, all right. So if something's getting banned, I think it's most likely going to be Stoneforge Mystic. Um, and if that's the case, what does Standard look like? So do you want to you wanna start off with uh, some ideas that you might have?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, um, I, I, I know this isn't quite on topic, but uh, just posted to Star City Games' Facebook page mm-hmm. is confirmation that the Titans are coming back in M12. Hmm. This
0: is okay. breaking
1: news. Uh, it, it's from one of those uh, you know, learn-to-play guides. You okay. know what I mean? Like, so the picture is like parts of a magic card and it's mana cost, et cetera, but it's an M12 Inferno Titan on the mana All right. on the picture. So there we go. So Titans are officially coming back in M12.
0: Um, go, go ahead, go ahead on with your, uh, with your thoughts.
1: Sure. Well, I think that, you know, the first thing and, I th- and probably the biggest complaint coming from B- Bannings is that, uh, Valakut is going to easily, you know, retake its spot at the top of the food chain. That's one of the arguments that people keep making is that if you ban Stoneforge or if you ban, I don't know if it's so much Stoneforge, but if you ban Jace, mm-hmm. then the Titan, the, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Valakut gets stronger. Um, and I don't think Valakut, you know, is something you can forget about. Valakut is a strong deck. Um, and I think that, you know, without, you know the ability, or say, let's say, like without a Jace, without the ability to fish for answers, mm-hmm. so it might not actually affect it as strongly. If uh, Stoneforge being banned, you know, might still, you know, Jace might still keep it honest. But no, um,
0: I, I think it's actually the, the opposite. I think it's, it's. You think so? Because think about it. Jace decks were around when Valakit was good. It was Stoneforge and the Swords that weren't.
1: Okay, oh, was, you know, you're right.
0: Yeah, I mean, Kibler built Ka-Go for Worlds and with the intention of beating Valakit and That's so true. that was uh and that was no stone forge either but uh, i think he had the spreading seas in there it was a very like pressure heavy deck to get pressure in early and uh you know a, a lot of counter spells cuz counter spells typically are bad for Valakit. um and uh then the deck evolved in paris to be what we know now as call blade and um you know obviously and that is what really kept Valakit down and um and so it's it's not necessarily that uh i think basically if we lose the, the theory was if we lose jace Valakit uh comes back but i think the same goes for stoneforge um i don't know okay. i guess it, it'll be it'll be interesting now my first deck is i think splinter twin becomes a problem splinter twin loses nothing if we lose stoneforge mystic in standard splinter twin loses nothing and i think it becomes a huge problem because Uh, Or at least at first, it's going to probably be the strongest deck. Uh, Because I think the only thing really keeping it down is Callblade decks. And it beats Callblade decks, but Callblade's so good that, uh, you know, I think it doesn't... I think uh, it's... Callblade can evolve, and this is something you were talking about. I think Splinter Twin is probably the the number one deck. And I think what that means is people start packing more Dismember, more Spellskite, more Twisted Image... To now deal with Spellskite, it becomes like a you know everybody trying to next level each other. Everybody needs to pack Dismember because it's the the best one mana quote one mana uh, answer you know removal spell that that every deck can pack, um, and so Dismember becomes more popular. And then Spellskite, of course, to deal with Dismember, and then Twisted Image. Uh, to deal with Spellskite, and of course Spellskite also to deal with the the Splinter Twin combo. So, like, if I'm trying to fight Splinter Twin, I'm playing Spellskite, and if I'm trying to protect Splinter Twin, I'm playing with Spellskite. And so now everybody, if there's this many Spellskites, Twisted Image becomes definitely sideboard material, Um, and it's kind of like this nice kind of tension between these cards. And then we have things like Combust, but the problem is, are you going to have two mana open? I think that's that's where Combust f- starts to fail. One, it only goes in red decks. You can't play it in any deck. But it also requires two mana. And if you only have one mana open when they go for the combo, you aren't able to protect it. You know what I mean? But if you have dis- uh, Dismember in hand, you can deal with it. Right. Assuming they don't have Spellskite. Um, Combust is a great answer, though. I mean, there, there are a lot of answers to Splinter Twin, but that is my first... That's my top my choice for top deck if we lose Stoneforge Mystic. Um, I'll let pass it back over to you now.
1: Uh, well, that's definitely true. I mean, I, I also think that um, without Stoneforge Mystic, uh, obviously more creature decks will get the opportunity to shine. Like we might see elves without every deck having sort of feast or famine or feast and famine or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, you could see vampires even, uh, you know, create more of a stir. Um, I, I, I love some of the mono-white <clears throat> Metalcraft decks, like I really like those like a lot.
0: Awkward temper steel kind of stuff, yeah.
1: Yeah, those are really cool. I mean, those aren't really affected much by, um, by the sword so much as Batterskull. You know,
0: not being uh, coming down on turn three, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: at instant speed, uncounterable. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a pretty scary situation to be in when your opponent goes turn two and you don't happen to have a removal spell for the. Stoneforge right then and there. Um, you know, there's just so many different things that you have to answer. <laughs> like I'm worried about spell Sky, then I'm worried about Stoneforge Mystic, you know, and then I'm worried about the the germ token on the batter skull when the batter skull hits play, you know. Right. And
0: then they're like, just like, All right, so you killed my germ. Uh, end of turn, return batter skull, replay it with stoneforge mystic, you know? Right. <laughs> Uh it's, uh, it's a strong interaction right there. Um, you mentioned the aggro decks and, like, elves. And I think, actually, some elves decks have been showing up a little bit. Now, I haven't really seen them much in Star City events, but I saw lists in some... Uh, I can't even remember where I was looking. But things like elves and the aggro decks, I think they're the ones that are doing well may be doing well because so many people have stepped back from playing Day of Judgment. Um, and I think... Actually, what may happen is, alright, we lose Stoneforge Mystic, the first thing that I would probably do, besides probably build Splinter Twin, but if I wanted to play Blue-White is, alright, I'm going to shift back to Call Go. You know, I'm going to shift back. I'm going to be playing the more of a blue-white control. I'm going to look at Shaheen Sarani's list that he's been playing in, you know, recent uh, Star City Opens. I know he was playing a pretty cool-looking Venser list in, um, you know, Venser blue-white control list in uh, Boston just on Easter. So, um, you know, blue-white control as a real blue-white control entity, as you know, the archetype blue-white control uh I think, may come back, which actually may hurt the aggro decks. Um, Strangely enough, it kind of becomes like... Like, if I'm building blue way Control, I know I need to beat Valakit. I know I need to be able to beat uh, Splinter Twin. And uh, then I pack, probably, Sweepers, because I want to beat the random aggro decks. Um, But, on the other hand, Vengevine now... Gets a leg up. If the Titans don't take over again, if Valakit doesn't take over again, then maybe Vengevine starts to prey on some of the uh, the control decks that might pop up. I th- This is kind of like looking at it in this kind of circular metagame kind of thing is what makes me feel like Splinter Twin is the best deck out of all these because it seems like... It, it just feels like Splinter Twin, because it can be a blue-red control list. Now, when I say Splinter Twin, I'm mostly talking about the, the Flores, blue-red version. Right. Um, but I feel like it can play blue-red control, and then, surprise, Splinter Twin. Uh, so that makes me feel like it's the, uh, the best answer. And the other thing is, um, maybe we start seeing Dispel, seeing more play in the Splinter Twin decks because it doesn't have to worry about countering the the turn two stoneforge mystic so maybe it has a little bit more room and dispel counters target instant spell just right. like i don't even need my spell skite in play i can protect my combo with one mana um, you know from your removal spell or your counter spell whatever it is that happens to be uh trying to disrupt my combo at instant speed because basically you can only interact with it at instant speed that's what flores was saying um you know end of turn exarch you can only interact with that at instant speed and then during my turn obviously you can only interact with me at instant speed so uh dispel just seems like it would fit right into those strategies right um, but yeah i i think the other thing though is we, we we've talked about established decks um, but there could be some newcomers like this makes room for some newcomers. We may have some sort of mono black control list. Uh, I know Chapin had, had built some in, uh, you know, in some of his articles, he didn't actually play any, but, um, you know, some, some theoretical mono black control lists are definitely out there. And, uh, you know, things like lash Rive, um, Tezzeret decks, we haven't really seen many. Now, did you happen to see what Kibler played in Singapore? No, I did not. Kibler played a Tezzeret Aggro deck in Singapore. and really? uh, It w- looked so sweet. He, it's, uh, it's obviously blue-black, um, and he's got Argent Sphinx in it. It's, it's like a Metalcraft kind of Tezzeret deck. Argent Sphinx, X-Champion, Hex Parasite, Leaden Mirror, um, which is the Black Mirror, uh, Phyrexian Metamorph, Phyrexian Revoker, Spellskite, Steel Overseer, and Vidalkin Surtark. Uh, as as the creature base, and then he's got Iker Wellspring, Mox Opal, and Tezzeret as the other spells, and then he's got two Batter Skulls in the sideboard, which obviously, no Stoneforge Mystic here. He's uh, he's actually hard casting Batter Skull. Um, so cool. He says, you know, it's definitely an untuned deck at this point, and he was uh, and is trying to take on a deck the entire world has spent the last six months tuning. Uh, he would take out Hex Parasite because it doesn't do enough against Callblade. Now, of course, in our theoretical example, there is no Callblade. But um, one of the cards he wanted to put back in the deck was Flight Spellbomb. Really? <laughs> yeah, it gets Metalcraft active, and it's an artifact that nobody really wants to disrupt. And uh, and then the flying is relevant because sometimes you just want to give your etched champion flying. Uh, he says, uh, often against Callblade, their plan is to poison you out with Ink Moth Nexus – uh, spellbomb can actually shut down that plan. Like if they put a batter skull on an Incomoth Nexus, that's that's just the example he gives. Argent Sphinx is great there too, so uh, very, very interesting deck. And you know, this guy, you know this guy, Brian what? Kibler, <laughs> Hall of Famer Brian Kibler is playing it now in a Callblade metagame. Um The Dalkin Sertark is Kind of I think the the card that he really wanted to build around he said he was uh, trying to make some artifact lists work around spellskite, and he stumbled across Vidalcan surtark and um, you know it, he he felt like it was a strong enough card now for those of you who don 't remember what Vidalcan surtark is it 's a one mana one one it 's a one blue costs uh, metal craft tap it to tap target artifact creature or land. Uh, and obviously it's only if you control three or more artifacts, which is not a problem in this deck. So it's a nice little icy manipulator, uh, you know, on a stick. And, uh, you know, it obviously he feels like it's a really strong part of this deck. And I, I think it's interesting. So I think that could be something that could see, uh, could see more play. Especially because people do want to play with Tezzeret. I know. I'm one of them. Like, I... I feel like I want to build around Tezera and I want to build like a control version, but uh, it just doesn't seem like it's seeing any action because people are deciding to play Callblade or they're just losing to, you know, and not making it to the top tables, whereas uh, other decks such as Callblade are. So uh, the other, other thing I want to mention is, and, and we have Protor Nagoya coming up this weekend, block decks. Block decks can now possibly start to work their way into the metagame. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because even though they're obviously not using uh, anything from M11 or Zendikar block, they've got, uh, you know, they've got the full three sets. So maybe some of these block decks start to try to, you know, work their way in and make it it to the top tables. Now, we've seen, like, Tempered Steel decks already. There's a block version of a Tempered Steel deck. There's um, Black-Red Control, kind of like a Koth, Black-Red kind of deck. There's, like, um, Mm. Machine-Red decks that are just, like, Artifacts and Red cards and, uh, you know, and Koth. There's, like, uh, and, of course, like, Tezzeret's Gambit and Volt Charge, so, like, the Proliferate kind of thing going on there. Um, These are just some of the decks that I've seen in you know looking at the daily events for uh, scars of mirrodin block um mm-hmm. you know there's actually interestingly enough a blue white control list that i love it's got like consecrated sphinx and like venser and elspeth it's just blue white control with like you know
1: sunblast uh, angel
0: yeah sunblast angel yeah sunblast angel I just, and consecrated sphinx
1: just picked up a foil one of those <laughs> awesome yeah
0: so i mean maybe that's maybe that's where some some people go um the uh you know, the Vengevine decks, as we mentioned, like Larry Swayze has been using uh Vengevine in his blue green list and he built that deck to uh to prey on Callblade. Now maybe maybe that means they lose power because they're Callblade's not around to prey on, but right. maybe it means they just go in a different direction and start performing elsewhere. So just some some ideas.
1: Well, I'd love to see more. I mean, I'm I, the, the deck I'm working on is uh, blue, black, infect, um, and it's more of like a, it's almost like a combo based deck where, um, you know, if if if, un, if if undeterred, it can play a lash, uh, a live wire lash, play one of its unblockable creatures, or even a uh, Icarat rats because <laughs> I'm running four Icarats rats in the deck. You
0: said blue, black, infect. Did you mean green, black?
1: No, I changed it.
0: Okay. That's what I was, uh, I was wondering. Yeah.
1: I, I was originally going with green black because I wanted the turn one, um, uh, Glistener Elf really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I decided to slow it down a little, um, you know, pack a little more removal and go with Blighted Agents instead. Okay. Um, that's, so that's using, right.
0: You were asking for Blighted Agents on our Facebook group. I forgot.
1: Yeah. So I'm using Blighted Agents and I'm using, like, uh, two copies of Tezzeret's Gambit. Um mm-hmm. uh, and just a couple other things. Um, the blue is mostly for the for the blighted agents, though, and distortion strike. Um, so I'm using distortion strike now, so I can basically go like if I all I have to do is play um, an an rat. Um, I mean, it has it has some long game too, but then I can just equip it with the live wire lash, distortion strike, vampires bite, and that's ten poison right there.
0: Wow, that's pretty awesome.
1: You know, and there's some like so you're um, saying.
0: You're saying I should definitely be packing dismember, is what you're saying, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> anyone I think with any sense should be packing dismember anyway. I'm running a full play set of them in my own deck.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm wondering think, like about that. I wonder if dismember is the is standards mental misstep, You know, like th- it I really needs to be around.
1: It's yeah, I think in terms of I mean, I, you need them. Like I, if I play against Spellskite, I'm screwed. Period. So, like, I have to run, like, four Dismembers and three Smothers in my deck just to be able to deal with, um, you know, that combo deck and spellskite you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the Splinter Twin combo. Um, it, it's just – it's it's a little – nerve-wracking but uh <laughs> i'm working on it it's still something i'm working on i don't even have a sideboard for it yet but right
0: i mean you completely i completely forgot about infect decks so <laughs> good thing you brought them up because the infect decks could start to show up a lot more too um just kind of a lot of different strategies i know like um smitty from the a team and 60cards.com has been working on a green white deck um that he is having uh, really good success with and i think uh I think he had Matt Marr running it in Singapore, and I think he day with it. Yeah, green-white birthing pod with Matt Marr. It's got Birds of Paradise, Fauna Shaman, Lotus Cobra, uh, Stoneforge Mystic, Vengevine as like the four ofs, and then a bunch of one-ofs for the uh, for the birthing pod. So Acidic Slime, Bane Slayer Angel. Uh, he's got three Mirren Crusader, uh, one Phyrexian Metamorph, two Sun Titans, one Viridian Corrupter. Um, and of course he's got a batter skull sort of Body and Mind, Sword of War and Peace as the equipment package. This is, of course, Matt's list. I don't know how much, uh, I, I don't know what what exactly he changed from Smitty's original list, but, um, and then, of course, three Birthing Pods as the engine of the deck, but, um, you know, this deck is obviously uh, a reasonable choice. Now, of course, this has the Stoneforge Mystic in it, and, uh, that may change the scope of the deck, but it's, uh you know it opens up things to uh or it opened up opens up the metagame to all sorts of strategies so um to sum up as much as i love callblade i can see how exciting things could be um after a, a p- potential banning i don't think jace is going to be banned but it's possible uh, i
1: think i mean i think they may i mean like if they really want to stir things up i don't see why they wouldn't just go ahead and ban both. Yes. You know what I mean. Um, but I don't see that being necessary. I think that Stoneforge is necessary uh, for for this format to uh, to evolve any further, um, or to at least be interesting and keep players around for the summer. Frankly, um, sorry. I, I'm sorry I cut you off. But no, like, no, that's
0: no, cool. That's what I wanted to know what you thought. So yeah, the uh, I, I think you're right. I think really the way I look at it. Uh, as far as the odds go, I think odds are if anything gets banned, Stoneforge is most likely, Stoneforge and Jace is next most likely, and then Jace is, by himself is third <laughs> behind that. Like right. I think it's more likely that they ban both than they ban just Jace. Um, I just think Stoneforge is way too much of a problem to to stick around. If they're, if they're going to decide to ban something, I think Stoneforge needs to be on that list. Uh, and hopefully it's not a list. <laughs> it's just right. a single card. they are like, well, we're also going to ban the Titans. Um, but I think we do start seeing a lot more of the Titans show up. That, that We're going to get the Titan cycle again. And I don't mean the Titan cycle as in the five colors, but I mean, oh, which Titan's the best now? And then next week it'll be a different Titan. And next week it'll be a different Titan. We'll see that go. Or maybe we won't because people have played these cards for a year and now know where they fit and where they don't fit. And maybe maybe uh, kind of things shake out to actually prove which titan is best.
1: Well, I think Grave Titan gets a lot better if people aren't searching up Sword of Feast and Famine. Yeah. You know, because that's a gr- – I mean it's an amazing titan. It, g- it gives you such an incredible board presence so early. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think – do people start running more copies of the swords? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: Actually, this uh, is something I had written down too. Is Skull playable on its own? Like, I mean, it is definitely playable, but, like, how playable is it? Is it good enough for me to go, I'm going to run three or four copies of Batterskull in my deck since I don't have Stoneforge Mystic? This card's so good, I'm going to try it, you know, as my five drop. Like, uh, obviously, Kibler's running it in his sideboard for that Tezzeret deck, so it's not unthinkable that somebody would play Batterskull with no Stoneforge Mystic. It just isn't as strong, but it's a strong card nevertheless. But yeah, Titans coming back makes uh makes things kind of interesting, or at least especially if, if Stoneforge goes away. So we'll we may see a return to Battle Cruiser standard.
1: Or we might just see the same standard we've been seeing for the rest of the summer. Who knows?
0: Right. There's just uh, there's kind of a lot of ways it can go. So
1: Well with with Aaron I mean with Aaron's tweet about, you know, making the biggest mistake since Mirrodin, that means that has to mean a banhammer, doesn't it? I mean like really
0: uh it seems like it i think yeah. so i think it's... they they're recognizing they made a mistake so at least the biggest since Mirrodin. so it means it's somewhere around Mirrodin level and Mirrodin got a lot of banning so i think i think that's pretty uh pretty accurate right um did i i, I can't remember if i said it but it's on my list It's actually the second deck on my list but rug probably stays really good as one of the top decks if it if Stoneforge Mystic isn't around. Just to, to add throw that in here at the end, because I can't remember if I mentioned it. But yeah, Rug I think is one of the uh, one of the top contenders if we lose Stoneforge Mystic, so So I guess wrapping things up, uh, some news out of the Star City Games Open Series. We have the season two kicking off this weekend, but um, for season two star city has chosen to uh, to take away the buys um, the players club no longer grants buys um, I think this is something that was definitely necessary there's been a lot of negative feedback from people complaining about um, you know some of the same players doing so well now obviously they earn that but at the same time like it's like the rich get richer kind of thing it's like they a third of the tournament for them is just automatic wins and they can just eat at IHOP and test their decks you know <laughs> like so I think while I think there's some uh, negative uh, implications obviously it kind of sucks when you earn buys and have them taken away um, I think this in in essence is better for the tournament and I think Star City's probably going to be working out a way to uh, to make to kind of replace the buys in a way like more incentive there instead of buys they just haven't and uh enacted yet yet, so right um something a little bit interesting but uh wanted to give a quick shout out to John Hibbert who uh who sent me a free uh Vendillion click in the mail I uh I I put a call out on Twitter saying I needed to trade for some Vendillion clicks I wanted uh I wanted Chinese non-foil Japanese non-foil or judge foil promos And uh, and he came through with a Chinese Vendilian click for me. Oh, that's so cool! Sent it to me for free, so that was really awesome. And the funny thing is, it came in a flash. (laughs) But no, seriously, it was from he sent it from Britain, and uh, it it came with yesterday's mail. And I swear he sent it like Saturday. Like, how in the world? uh, You know, I figured it would take a while because it was coming from you know international mail, but it it was uh, it was definitely really quick. So. Uh, thanks to John, and uh, shout-out again, John Hibbert, you rock.
1: I want to give two shout-outs real quick. Um, first shout-out uh, is to my roommate, Travis. Uh, he's uh, Hives on Twitter. There's an up underscore between trilobyte and Hives. If you don't know how to spell it, sorry. Um, just for being an awesome roommate and a cool guy to, to live with. Uh,
0: I'll, you know, I'll second that.
1: Yeah, man. Member of Brewport Avenue, man. Um, second uh, shout-out uh, from Brewport Avenue is uh, Brendan Hurst making the uh, – it was the top four of the PTQ, I believe, right? Yep, yep. So So top four of the PTQ playing uh, Blue-Red Twin. Almost got there. So close. Uh, and he'll get there next time. He's a, he's the best player. Probably one of the best players we have in our yeah, group.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, uh, I know he's qualified for nationals.
1: Yeah, he's, he's going to nets.
0: Cool. Cool. Uh, so, upcoming events, we have this weekend, of course, the Star City Open Series Season 2 kicking off in Denver's Invesco Field, uh, June 11th and 12th, and, uh, also this weekend, the, uh, the big, big event, Pro Tour Nagoya, which is block-constructed. I'm really excited to watch that, because, as we were saying, block can kind of give you a peek into a future metagame. Now, whether that future metagame comes July 1st, or, uh, or with (laughs) the rotation when it typically would come, um... You know, it's definitely a peek into how things will shake out. Uh, you know, in the next few months uh, or in the fall. So, you know, last year the basically I don't know if people were calling it rug at the time, but it was a rug deck. It was the the genesis of the rug deck showed up at uh, in in the block constructed Pro Tour, and it was uh, you know Avengers Endicar and Lotus Cobra and uh, you know basically Jace and things like that. So, we may be seeing. Some future decks this weekend. Well,
1: here and here's a really interesting conundrum from that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're only going to have one more weekend after this weekend to pick up the, some of the more popular block cards before they spike. If there's a banning on Monday the twentieth, yeah. That makes sense because um, I mean the window could the window uh, could potentially be a lot smaller to get these cards. Like if you're paying attention to block, which you should be, every summer pay attention to the block decks and pick up cards that look like they'll be hot after rotation. Um, then there's usually a decent window there, you know, for a couple months while people are still playing the standard decks of now, you know. But if standard gets gets uh, shaken up significantly on Monday the twentieth. You're only going to have that F&M on the 17th and then the weekend, of the 18th and 19th to really find some, you know, good deals on those cards before they might – potentially before they start shooting up. That also could – they also could stay, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just something to keep in mind.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next weekend, uh, June 18th and 19th We have Grand Prix Kansas, which is limited And then the weekend after that, June 25th and 26th Star City comes to Baltimore Where uh, yes. I will be doing commentary with Jacob Van Lunen And Joe will be there doing some trading and some playing
1: I'm going to definitely be playing some Legacy on Sunday I'm trying really hard uh, to convince Joe To put me under the camera for round one Before uh, I O2 draft.
0: As if it's my decision, you need to convince Glenn Jones That's who you need to convince
1: you need to convince Glenn Jones. I
0: hope you convince Glenn Jones. I'm just telling you, you don't need to convince me. I I would put you there if it were my decision.
1: Yeah, and I know, and you know I'm the you know I'm the crowd favorite, you know, and you know I'm going to start a start start a ruckus on Twitter first thing uh, Saturday morning. I'm going to oh, be just, like just to I'm
0: get people, like, yeah.
1: To be like I want Joe round 1. I want Joe round 1. So so remember, let them know.
0: There you go. <laughs> so uh, I think that's everything. We are yo MTG Taps.
1: Stop bitching and start banning. I mean brewing. Sorry. We are-